And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 225, aka season 3, episode 45, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC. And since MC's back, that means phone numbers work. It's magic like that. Uh, 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. Uh, I know you're a little bit under the weather, MC, but thank you for being here. Um, any any news to share? Where do you want to start off this week? Um, I don't know. <laughs> we didn't talk about it <laughs> that's true well it's mostly because you know i i wanted to get this thing going and get you on and off uh to to you know especially since you said it's like a throat thing if it was like sinuses or headache or some other kind of cold my guy you know we, we might be able to power through that but with the with the throat uh with a throat cold i know that when that happens to me i just drink a fuck ton of tea and don't want to talk at all so I figured we'd jump in and, and get yeah, well, the ball rolling. This this is the tail end of it. I've had it for almost a week now. So oh my goodness, yeah. So it had tomorrow. nothing to do with your traveling then, because I know you just you you came I back in the pound late last week. I don't think so. Um, okay, I was fine right after that. I even went out to dinner uh, the day after I got back, and I seemed fine. And then uh, right. I took some essential oils, and I took it the wrong way, and uh, yeah, it messed up my throat. So ah well. Be careful with those things. There's there's a lot of people that like them. Um, I mean, we can jump right into headlines, and I don't really have anything this week. The the it was kind of a slow news week all the way around, um, unless you caught any anything on the like the Mueller report stuff or Tulsi suing Google or anything like that. I mean, any anything jumped out yeah, at I mean, you I, at all? I mean, I heard about all that stuff. The Tulsi thing is pretty funny. That she's suing. It's amazing yeah. that as a Democrat she's suing. Because they're supposed to be very liberal friendly. Well, Google shut her her down because they don't like her. Because she's not one of those Democrat friendlies. Yeah. <clears throat> Thoughts on that? You think she has a a potential lawsuit or just just another? Well, I mean, any any news for her is good news. So she it's a it's a win win for her to to do what she's doing and i i think she's just she's just a really smart person is she getting a lot of support especially in hawaii just because she, you know that's like the, the home field advantage no, no? Well, okay no i don't think i haven't heard anybody support her just because she's in hawaii because they did it with um, barack right he wasn't even like the senator from hawaii but like oh my goodness he's from here he went to right. school here. Let's vote for him. And so there's there's definitely a uh, consensus ab- among the the media, the mainstream media, that that she isn't the one. And so every every time there's an article about her, it's about how she doesn't have any experience and none of her bills got passed. And it's like, well, that's a good thing to me um, that none of her bills got passed because that means she's not uh, screwing anything up. But um. That's pretty much it. They're they're they attack her every time they get a chance to, and um, so anyway, she yeah. deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we support any politicians here, um, but it's it's a it's amazing because it's it seems to be another one of those cases of the left eating their own, right? Like, you know, well, I mean, the right does the same thing. That's true, that's, but when you talk so. about big big companies like Google and Facebook. The narrative always seems to be that you know they're they're pro left, 
they're anti-right. They try to, they, you know, all the pages, um, the, the internet wiping of conservative channels, right, was a, a big thing, was it last month? Um, and there wasn't a big problem with, you know, there wasn't a lot of people from the left coming out to complain that, oh no, YouTube shut down my channel or Facebook closed my page or Instagram shut me down or anything like that. It was mostly, uh, the right, the conservative side. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, it's interesting that amongst all that, that that type of, I'm going to say censorship, uh, might be the wrong term, uh, but I'm using it here, uh, that type of censorship from one of the big left liberal companies uh, would be used against someone from that side. Now, whether or not it's because she's not the chosen one, um, because, you know, there's still like Bernie bros and, you know, Biden supporters out there is a whole nother thing. Um, but I do find it in- interesting, uh, intriguing maybe, uh, that they would they would go after someone uh, supposedly on their side. So... What's interesting is to me is that there's been more negative press about Tulsi than there has been positive press about any other Democrat candidate. So um, it just shows you they they know how the system works and um, it doesn't matter to them uh, who gets in as long as it's not somebody they don't like. Yeah. And negative information in the media is more effective than positive information anyway. So uh, it's being used correctly i mean to get what they want anyway yeah so that that reminds me of the only other point of interest for me this week and it's it's an unfortunate situation um and maybe i'm ill-informed who knows um and that's the whole uh bernie sanders doesn't pay his campaign uh livable wages have you have you seen this because a lot of a lot a lot of liberty friendly outlets attack this as well um, yeah. and I read the article and I'm, I th- I think you saw my post on it, yeah, um, but I, I, I kind of, okay, good. I'm glad. Cause I don't know. I thought maybe I was missing. No one else did like no one no, jumped I, down my throat. I saw, I saw it the same way you did and I've seen it that way before. Right. Um, so yeah. So let's, let's clear the air here a little bit and maybe being one of the few <laughs> Liberty friendly outlets, um, with, I'm going to say some intellectual honesty and integrity, uh, when it comes to these things. And again, the, the, the headline that wrapped around the world, uh, with Bernie Sanders was rather than pay his, uh, employees, um, or rather than giving his employees a raise t- in order to get them to the $15 per hour, uh, campaign promise, right? Like that's, that's the big number that everyone's, you know, the, the raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour in order to do that for his campaign. Um, he cut their hours and the, the, the Liberty community, the conservative community, everyone went to Twitter. Look at this. Bernie Sanders doesn't understand economics and he gets a lesson in what happens when you're forced to raise, uh, 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 wages, right? And that is you have to cut the hours of the employees, uh, you know, because there's only a fixed amount of dollars available for wage and all this. Not, but then you read the article and I'm glad, I'm glad you read the article too, MC and not <laughs> just the fucking headlines. Um, uh, but that's, that's not even what actually happened. Right. So, so for those who, uh, those of you listening who only read headlines, um, take a look at the article. Cause the one that I read basically said that, 
Bernie Sanders has staff members, uh, you know, employees as staff that make $36,000 a year. It's a salaried position. Like that's it. They make $36,000 a year, no matter how many hours they work. And apparently they were working a fuck ton of overtime, like 60, 70, 80 plus hours a week uh, on the campaign to get their $36,000 a year. Well, when you average that out, it's well below $15 an hour. And so rather than, you know, give them a bump in salary, Bernie Sanders gave them more leisure time. He still paid them $36,000 a year, but cut their hours to closer to 40, right? I think the one, one of the articles said it was like between 42 and 43 hours a week. So, so now they have a regular average, you know, full-time job, basically. I'm going to say basically, right? Like we, we can, we can hem and haul over the extra three hours. I don't want to do that. Um, you know, if you want to have that discussion, fine, you win, I concede, but let's say, you know, a full-time job for $36,000 a year, uh, working on Bernie Sanders campaign, which then averages to, uh, the roughly $15 an hour, uh, you know, minimum, um, that he's been touting, touting, uh, as the, as the, you know, the livable wage, but everyone says, you know, now he pays poverty wages. And there was another one that there's like, a um, a, a lawsuit against his, his campaign. And I went, wait a minute, you know, he didn't, he didn't cut their hours and cut their pay. He cut their hours for the same pay so that they average $15 an hour still full time, right? He gave them more leisure time of which, you know, if they were working 80 hours a week, they have 40 extra hours uh, to go make that much money and then some, and it could potentially double their pay. Uh, if they, you know, if they found somebody else to work for, for the extra hours, or they're doing less work for the same pay and have much more leisure time of which to spend it. Um, so I, th- I think there's a lot of intellectual dishonesty uh, all across the board with how that narrative was played out uh, in the conservative and the libertarian uh, media. And I don't fault the, the campaign, but I do fault uh, those, those news outlets for uh, egregious misinformation and disinformation in attempt to, I'm going to say, slander uh, him and his campaign unnecessarily. Uh, and in my post, I said very clearly, there's plenty of things, right, to 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 get on his case about. There are plenty of policy decisions that he wants to implement that we can deride and ridicule and and take shots at. Um, that we that we, you know, the the liberty oriented media out there, don't need to stoop to this lowest common denominator nonsense about misinformation about what's really going on uh, in, a, in an effort to like show how bad he is. Uh, and again, not a supporter, not even a fan, um, just ridiculous the way it was played out in the media. Uh, MC, you said you agreed with my post, and that was the other thing, real quick. Uh, you know, I posted it out there on my personal page, uh, hoping for some sort of correction, right? I, 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 I have a lot more... Um, quote unquote friends on Facebook that are members of the libertarian and liberty community uh, since making the move for the free state project. I thought maybe it would cross one of their feeds and someone would go like, no, Rich, you got it all wrong. This is how it really is. 
or one of them, you know, more educated than me on the economic side of things would say, no, Rich, you got it all wrong. Here's why it's important. And nobody uh, jumped on board to correct me. So if you're listening to this uh, and and you're you're thinking to yourself, no, Rich, you got it all wrong. Here's (laughs) why, you know, it's important. Please, I'm all ears because the way I read it does not seem to be uh, what everyone's making it out to be. Uh, and you said you agree with me, MC. So please, um, you know, your, your point of view on this and, and its importance um, in the general scheme of things. Well, um, so first of all, yes, the, the if, if you're on a salary on, on Bernie's campaign and they tell you, hey, don't work as many hours, then, yeah, you have more free time to do other things and you still have the same amount of money. So that, that, that could be... Uh, a win for you, but it could be a loss for Bernie because if people are working less hours on his campaign. He could lose. Oh no! Um, it could so, be, but that's his choice. As as like I'm going to say, business owner or you know, campaign manager in this case. Sure. Um, so in in the real world, um, out in, I'm I'm talking not politics. Um, if it was a company and they did that, they uh, they might the company might fail if they tell their employees to work. Uh, less hours so um if bernie fails and he doesn't win the presidency who cares like the world goes on and uh yeah and we're probably better off for it yeah yeah and and no and nothing really lost um uh if 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 a company that makes uh potato chips does that and and uh they can't make as many potato chips as a result and then they go out of business and people will have you know, to buy either higher price potato chips somewhere else or, or, you know, something, something happens. <laughs> you <know>? Sure. <laughs> um, and, and, yeah. and I will, real, let me interject real quick. Cause I don't think there's a lot of companies out there, um, successful or otherwise that are demanding 60, 70, 80 plus hours out of their salaried employees, uh, for $36,000 a year. Like to, to me, that's not a pay, a pay level um, that demands that type of hours, right? Like if, if you're putting not. in sixty if, if plus working, hours, if you're working that ahead. much for thirty six thousand, you could probably uh, find a, a job somewhere else that that pays more, or find an hourly position uh, that that pays a higher uh, per hour rate, and and then you can just you can make twice as much working, you know, the same amount of hours. Yeah. To me, that sort of hours is like, you know, executive level positions where there's stake in the company involved um, that, you know, that, you know, like I'm uh, the first name that comes to mind, unfortunately, is Elon Musk, right? I'm sure he puts in, you know, 80 plus hours a week on his various ventures um, in some capacity, not flipping burgers, right? Not working on the production line at Tesla, uh, but I'm sure he puts in, you know, a, a you know, a, a mess of hours. Uh, in order to to make that successful, and when you're at that level, it may be required. Uh, but I don't think you know. I don't. I can't imagine uh, the the low middle manager, you know, running the office, making thirty six thousand dollars a year, going like you know, if I don't stay an extra forty hours this week, um, th- this whole operation is going belly up, uh, type of thing. Like that's <laughs> like you said. You know, you you can find better for less. Uh, or better for more, if you're talking about pay, um, less hours, more pay, doing something else elsewhere. Um, so if you're if the if the company is relying on you know thirty six thousand dollar an hour uh, thirty six 
$36,000 a year employees um, as like, you know, the, the fundamental and the foundational level of success, well then, yeah, maybe it should go out of business um, because to me, that seems ridiculous. Could be. Could be. Yeah. So anyways, that's my only point. We're talking about two different things, uh, political campaign versus uh, corporation. Um, but in any case, uh, what you know, you should do personally or anybody who's listening, uh, you know, find out what you're worth and, and try to get that. If you're not Absolutely. Getting it, <laughs> um, yeah. <clears throat> and <clears throat> go ahead. That's a, that's a conversation I get in, get uh, involved in quite frequently on the, on the, uh, anarchist uh, chats on, on Facebook and they, they commies aren't that, worth minimum wage. Well, no, but th they assume that the, the employer is ripping them off uh, because they're not getting uh, the, the, the correct amount of value for, for their labor. And the, the only person that can determine that is you. And, and if you feel that you're not getting it, then go somewhere else. So then the argument comes, well, all the co companies are doing that. So there's, there's nowhere to go. So I'm like, well, well maybe the corporations have it right then. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're all doing, getting, you know, close to the same amount. And, and if they're not, uh, you know, make a, make another company that, uh, that pays their employees better and gets maybe better work out of them. Or maybe, maybe they can't get any better work out of you. Maybe that's really all you're worth. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. And you know, the, when it comes to inadequate employees, uh, th this came up at the restaurant um, that I'm currently working at. Um, apparently, the the guy who runs my station during the day before I get there isn't too bright. Um, and I didn't pay too much attention to it because for a while the restaurant was shorthanded and I didn't know they had hired anybody. So I thought it was just, you know... Like when, when I get there and my station's a mess, I just go, well, it's because they're shorthanded and everyone in the kitchen's pitching in, right? Like not no one person is responsible for this station, um, which is why it's not in the condition or the state that it should be when I get, by the time I get there for, you know, the dinner shift. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but come to find out, there's a guy. Um, and apparently <laughs> it's becoming more clear, not a very well-liked guy, uh, because all of a sudden, um, Everyone from, you know, the kitchen to the front of the house staff is starting to talk to me about this guy, uh, which, you know, kind of boosts my ego a little bit because they're like, oh, my God, he's so terrible to the point where um, the, the new head chef <laughs> was talking to me about it uh, last night. Yeah, last night. He said that th this particular employee uh, called our sous chef to let her know that yesterday, Friday, uh, he was going to have to leave early to go to a doctor's appointment. Like he had to leave at three thirty, um, and so my my chef was relaying this information to me that you know he's supposed to be gone by two thirty uh, to get there. Whatever, yeah, two thirty, two thirty. He had to leave at two thirty, um, and that three thirty rolled around. So an hour after he was supposed to be gone and out of there to make it to his appointment on time, uh, he approaches the head chef and is like, uh, "So did the the sous chef uh, tell you?" that I'm uh, supposed to leave at 2.30 today? And the head chef goes, yeah, it's 3.30. Like, what the fuck are you still doing here? And this, you know, dumb employee, right? This guy who, you know, they, they, they want to pay him 
you know, the $15 an hour minimum wage because he's back of the house. So he doesn't even qualify for that, you know, very, very low front of the house, bare minimum stuff. He tells the head chef, well, you're the boss in here. You're supposed to tell me, you know. <laughs> Like taking zero responsibility for for his own for his own schedule for his own time, um, you know for 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 getting for getting out of there and making it his doctor's appointment on time. Like totally disregards it all. Waits waits an hour and then complains that he wasn't uh, allowed to leave. Um, and I, you know, I jokingly told the she- the, the head chef, Mike, man, you know what's going to happen now? You you're going to catch a bill from him for the cancellation fee or the reschedule fee at the doctor's office. You know, if you don't give them 24 hour notice or whatever they, they charge you, like he's going to blame this on you and send you the bill to get charged for that. So, yeah. So fine. You know, and at the same time, you know, they, they, you know, they, they come to me and they go, uh, this is the sous chef. She's like, Oh, God, my burger rich. Like, why can't you work more? And my, my God, honest responses. Cause I was like, cause you guys don't pay me enough. <laughs> She's like, is that it? Is that really it? I'm like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know, at, at the rate you pay me, this is when I'm available. <laughs> and if you want to change that, you know, she's like, well, give me a number, you know? So I, I threw out a number. I didn't even do the math myself. I just threw out a number that I thought was high and a little bit ridiculous. She goes, okay, let me go talk to the chef. So he ta- <laughs> she talks to him. He talks to me. They're going to have a conversation with, um, like the, it's the, the, the general manager, um, and hopefully set up a meeting because I'm like, well, here's the thing, right? Like I'm booked, but I can unbook myself from other endeavors. If you pay me more, you know, like you, mm-hmm. you can have those hours for the right price. Um, so hopefully we're, <laughs> hopefully we'll sit and negotiate that. And then, you know, talking to the chef about it, I'm like, well, a couple of things, you know, and I, I told him this, like part of it is you guys are buying more hours, right? Which costs more. Um, and part of it is merit-based clearly, because I'm well above the standard set by my, you know, the guy who starts before me. So if we're anywhere near the same pay, uh, I deserve a lot more, you know, type of a thing. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, and it, and part of what you said, MC, is like, you know, know your worth, right? I, I accept, I accepted, you know, lower than what I would have considered my worth to begin with uh, because I wasn't selling them that many hours, right? It, you know, it's hard to demand a lot when it was like, eh, I'm only going to be here like, you know, twice a week for like, you know, four or five hours a night. It's like, ah, eh, whatever. The pay is whatever. It's whatever. Like, you know, even, even with the, even with the, even with the hours, right? A higher pay wouldn't amount um, to like significantly more until you start adding more hours, which they're trying to do. Um, at that point I was like, well, yeah, because now, now you're competing not only with the other companies that I work for, you know, you, to, to bid my time away. Um, uh, but now you're trying to buy some of my leisure time and with as little leisure as I get, uh, that's a pretty high price to begin with. So yeah, no, know your worth. And if you do a good job, right. You know, especially in compared <laughs> in comparison to, to your coworkers, um, you can, you, you have a a position not to demand, um, but to negotiate for, you know, better than average wages. Um, and one of the, one of the chefs that, you know, recently left, uh, the, the company, he was there for like seven years. Um, 
And, you know, when he left, he's like, it's ridiculous how much they're paying me at this point. Because every time I try to leave, they they give me a raise. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> but he was totally worth it. You know, like, the, right. the, you know, he, he, him being there for that long with that skill set and knowing the ins and outs of the restaurant totally justified, you know, the outrageous pay that they were given, you know, a full-time line yeah. cook. Um, but, you know, also knowing that, I go, well, Definitely, I'm having been there for seven years, um, and I don't work full time. But <laughs> yeah. it, but same, knowing same that, I go, it's there. Same thing happened to me at Taco Bell. Uh, I was there for uh, about five years, and when I went to take my other position that I trained for in college, uh, they were like, oh, "Why don't we just pay you the same and you could just stay here?" And I was like, uh, "Because I don't want to make tacos." <laughs> yeah. So, so you can keep the money. I'm gonna go work on some uh, telecommunications stuff. It seems like more fun to me. So. Yeah, and the, and so they would have to. That's the other thing. They would have to have paid you significantly more um, to continue to make tacos instead of doing. But, you know. But you at want. that time, it was only a couple more dollars. Yeah, and that they were could, offering. But if they, they said like offering. we'll double your pay, you know, then then all of a sudden, you know, making tacos uh, uh, there, can be a little bit more. Anyway, they could they could double my pay unless they made me uh, unless they gave me my own store. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I'm just saying there, there's a number out there that would have. There's definitely a number that you would have said, "Yeah, I'll I, stay. I'll stay and make tacos." I probably wouldn't have though. I was really? done. I was over. Wow. It. I was okay. Like, I don't want to see tacos anymore. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. <laughs> Keep the money. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that. You know, that's kind of how this chef felt when he left. Was like, yeah, and he he didn't even leave for another career. He just went to another restaurant, you know, to to learn right. new things and to you know uh, advance his career elsewhere um, by you know by working under a different chef. Uh, yeah, you know, if, if if that's your career path, right, more power to you. Like for me, um, part of it, you know, part of it now is you know uh, the, my injury. Um, I, I, I can't be on my feet or I shouldn't be on my feet. It's prohibitively difficult to be on my feet, um, for an extended period of time. So working full time on my feet in the restaurant, um, just is, is prohibitively difficult. Um, so I just, I work the short hours and I have like my other bread and butter job that I go to before that, but I still enjoy the restaurant. Like I still have fun there. Um, so I'm not like, you know, that's the, that's from their perspective, that's like their best negotiating tactic is we don't have to pay you more because this is so convenient for you. Um, you're not going to go anywhere else. And they're right. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go, I'm not looking for another restaurant job. I don't want to go to another restaurant. Um, but all what, what they need is more hours. And I'm just, I just don't give it to them, you know, like that's, you know, that's where, that's where that negotiation comes to a standstill. Like, yes, you're convenient, but I only really need two days from you. Um, everything else is a bonus and you got to pay for the bonus type of thing. All right, moving on. Right on. Shall we get into headlines? We want to do headlines? We got. Sure. I got. I got enough lined up today. Uh, I was a little scared earlier because, my God, like I said, such a such a slow news week. I don't remember what I read about. That was just, you know, I think a lot of it was the Mueller thing that you know we don't we don't have to get into, and that Bernie thing was just like, ooh, so upsetting, mm-hmm. so upsetting. Just again, not not because he did it, you know, but because of the way the way it was skewed from sources who I like to think um, are more honest about the truth. Is that fair? That's fair. All right. Headlines. IRS sending 10,000 tax compliance letters to crypto investors. 
Uh, headline, Edmund Burke's case for private charity over the welfare state. Uh, headline, Nashville neighbors send ice packing. Uh, let's see more of that for all sorts of law enforcement. Uh, headline, oh, oh where did this one go? Uh, millionaire CEO, a millionaire coffee CEO offered to pay parents school lunch debt so their children wouldn't be take wouldn't be taken by CPS, but the school board is refusing his offer. Uh, headline, how confirmation bias sends innocent people to prison. And finally, headline, uh, where is it? To protect the town, the government fines mother of two $100,000 for a dirty pool and tall grass. Uh, any place in particular you want to start this week, MC? Uh, the confirmation bias is probably really important. Okay. It's probably really depressing, but. <laughs> All right. Uh, how confirmation bias sends innocent people to prison. A new study of wrongful convictions shows the problem goes beyond misconduct by police and prosecutors. Last week, an Oklahoma judge freed Corey Aitchison, who had spent 28 years in prison for a murder he has always said he did not commit, after concluding that he had been convicted based on the false testimony of purported eyewitnesses who had been coerced by prosecutors. The next day, an Idaho judge exonerated Christopher Tapp, who had served more than two decades for rape and murder after DNA evidence implicated another man who confessed to the crimes. While cases like these often feature wrongdoing by individual prosecutors and police officers, a new study suggests the problem is deeper. After analyzing 50 wrongful convictions and other investigative failures, Texas State criminologist Kim Rosmo and Joycelyn Pollock found that confirmation bias, reinforced by groupthink and strong incentives to quickly identify the perpetrator of highly publicized crimes, figure prominently in the mistakes that send innocent people to prison. Once police decide they have the right suspect, Rosmo and Pollock report in the Northeastern University Law Review, they tend to develop tunnel vision that obscures other possibilities. Uh, they become focused on building a case against the person they've decided is guilty, ignore or minimize countervailing evidence, and interpret ambiguous evidence in a way that supports their initial conclusions. Uh, after Angela Correa, a 15-year-old high school student in Peekskill, New York, was raped and strangled to death in 1989, for example, police quickly settled on one of her classmates, Jeffrey Deskovich, as their sole suspect. Suffering from tunnel vision, detectives pursued a single-minded course of action designed to get Deskovich to confess. Rosmo and Pollock write, Police did not look for other suspects despite the presence of exculpatory physical evidence. In a classic confirmation bias pattern, detectives changed their theory of the case when the DNA test results came back, excluding Deskovich. Deskovich was convicted in 1990 based on false confections he later retracted. For years, the Westchester County District Attorney uh, Janine Pyro, now a Fox News host, who opines on justice, rejected Deskovich's request to compare the DNA evidence uh, against a criminal database. Deskovich was not exonerated until 2006 after he had served 16 years in prison when a new DA approved testing that identified the actual perpetrator. Christopher Tapp's conviction was also based on a false confection 
confession that was contradicted by DNA evidence. The pattern in about a third of the 367 cases in which the Innocence Project has used evidence to clear people who were wrongfully convicted, interrogations are not a quest for information, observed the Innocence Project's uh, Vanessa Potkin. The purpose is to get an admission. In another case that Rossmo and Pollock examined, Bruce Lisker was wrongfully convicted in 1985 of stabbing his mother to death, to death in their home, at their home in Sherman Oaks, California. He was not released until 2009, at which point he had served 26 years after a judge determined that he had been convicted based on false evidence, including the testimony of a jailhouse snitch police knew was unreliable. <coughs> Excuse me. Investigators coerced a confession, a confession quickly recanted from the 17-year-old teenager through the offer of a plea bargain, Rossmont Pollock wrote. A rush to judgment, followed by tunnel vision, led to confirmation bias. Exculpatory evidence was ignored, while the alibi of an alternative and viable suspect was never checked despite inconsistencies in his story. Confirmation bias is common and hard to root out. Rossmo and Pollock recommend training in cognitive de-biasing, better evidence procedures, closer supervision, and general awareness of cognitive biases, and the factor that let them run riot. Uh, Rossmo and Pollock also note that the probable cause standard for arresting someone which creates momentum towards a conviction is a low bar that does not require showing the suspect is more likely than not to be guilty. A probable cause that is not probable is inconsistent with both language and mathematics, they write. The most certain way to prevent a wrongful conviction is to minimize wrongful arrests of innocent people. Uh, end of the article. Uh, your general thoughts, MC, on cognitive uh, bias in general? Um, because I don't think anyone is immune to it, uh, but how it, how it relates to that particular profession. Uh my gosh well it's it's weird because the people that are seeking out the you know to to arrest somebody a lot of times they're they're just trying to to win like it's a game right like if if i get an arrest if i get a conviction then it's it's more points for them somehow right yes so it doesn't matter if they're right as long as they win right and so i think that's part of the problem there's there's not much focus on on uh on the people you know so so yeah it's a it's a difficult situation i think i think the system is rigged uh in that way and for the for the most part i think i mean yeah it's 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 terrible when when somebody gets convicted uh wrongfully in the, in the case of like a, a violent crime um but we have a whole system that's that's built up to convict people for nonviolent crimes, and so it's it's like that that I think that's part of the problem is is that we have a a system to uh, criminalize people whether they're violent or not. Well, this is um, a nation of laws, as it were. So so I think if we got rid of a whole bunch of the bad laws, I think then we could focus more. Uh, and have <clears throat> more energy put into uh, the you know the investigations of violent crimes in that way. So I hope I think I think I'm making sense. <laughs> you are, yeah. I'm I'm letting you go. Um, 
I, I'll jump in though. I, I think another issue uh, at play here along with um, is that suspects aren't treated as individuals or as people, right? They're, 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 they're just, they're part of the statistic. They're just a number, right? The, 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 the prosecutors, the police, um, I'm going to go so far as to say like society in general, uh, doesn't care about, you know, the plight of the single person, um, who, uh, who has an injustice done to them, like a false, a, a false conviction, um, you know, because it's just, it's just one person. And when you look at, you know, the prison statistics, right? No one, uh, again, society in general, no one cares, uh, about the, the vast amount of like nonviolent drug offenders, uh, or nonviolent, you know, yeah, uh, um, people in prison, right? You, you, you put one in, you put five in, you put a hundred in, um, there, you know, it's, it's good that they're off the streets, you know, no one, no one particularly care. And yes, you have the, the innocence project and you, and you have organizations that are, are doing the work to get these people out. But overall, that's such a small percentage, uh, of society that when you see like, you know, this person is convicted of whatever crime, um, it's, it, no one, no one sees the, the person being convicted as a human being or as an individual, right? They, they, they immediately apply the label criminal, uh, to that person. And therefore, no matter what the treatment is, you know, following that, uh, it's okay, right? Like th- that's what we do to criminals. Um, the, the, the bigger scope, like you said, MCs, there's so many, uh, bad laws on the books that nearly everyone can be labeled a criminal in some form or fashion. Uh, and that means everyone is subject to that sort of treatment. Uh, and the only people that's going to give a damn when you're arrested, uh, under false pretenses and convicted, uh, with bad information, right. Is, is maybe, you know, friends and family, uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe you're lucky enough that this, your case is high profile enough to cross the desk of the innocence project, uh, for them to look into it. Um, we recently, uh, I don't, we didn't cover it here, but there's recently an article about a cop, um, who, you know, for, for years, like a decade even, um, was, was planting drugs on people in order to get the arrest, uh, and, you know, and the prosecution and, and bump up his numbers and look how many drugs, druggies he's taken off the force until finally he was like caught on video planting the drugs right like it took a slip up on his part uh, meanwhile you know dozens hundreds probably even of people you know are, are wallowing away having been arrested or just been pulled over by this guy for nothing um that have you know been convicted because when you get to court they take the cop's word over the word of the defendant always uh, even though they say it's supposed to be equal footing, uh, every, anyone who's ever been to court knows that that's not true. Um, but how many, how many lives did this one guy ruin, um, you know, under, under false pretenses now on the individual basis, right? The other cops didn't care, right? The prosecutor didn't care to, to look at the information, you know, to, to notice a pattern, um, that this one guy, this one cop, you know, somehow kept busting, uh, you know, meth addicts on, on small traffic charges, 
right? Because it's just one guy. It's just one person, you know, wrongfully convicted. Um, and until the numbers, you know, get to, to staggering amounts, you know, then you know, no one no one takes notice. And I think that's I think that's an overarching um, problem with society in general that we live in uh, because of all the bad laws, because no one, no one, you know, cares enough about this. And it turns the individual into a statistic, uh, as opposed mm. to someone worthy of, of defending. Yeah. So there was, there was another article that's k- kind of related to it, um, about the, the structuring law. So structuring is when you, when you purposely put, uh, dollar amounts into the bank account, into your bank account, uh, under $10,000 to avoid being, reported to the IRS. Sure. The the IRS will come after you and say, you're structuring and that's illegal. And then they'll arrest you. Um, Because at this point, everyone is aware of that $10,000 rule. Except not everybody is. Really? Okay. So I know they may not be aware of the structuring, but I, I I think that whole $10,000 thing has been like used up in, in movies and other stuff. Yeah. yeah. Some, some people still have no idea because, well, there's some people that, that, that work for a living and that's more important to them than okay. uh, stupid movies and stuff. Yeah. So, so anyway, um, this, this last one I saw was on about uh, a bakery. And so they had, uh, 10, you know, agents go into his, his business and pull him and his, his brother or his son or whatever into separate rooms and, and, uh, tell them how they're going to take his, his money and there's nothing they can do about it. Um, and so they did and they, they leave. And so they're, you know, they're, they're trying to get their money back, uh, by, you know, they have, so now they have to prove that they didn't break any other laws or something. Um, yeah, because this and, is one of those uh, other weird cases where the money is being charged with the crime, not the individual. <clears throat> and so then they, then they send them a letter saying it's, they send them a plea, a plea bargain letter saying if, if you, if you uh, plead guilty to this, we'll we'll drop your sentence to only one year in prison, and uh, and an an extra hundred thousand uh, dollar payment to us, and which is insane because they didn't actually do anything wrong, right? <laughs> sure. So, uh, besides put put money in a, an account with the wrong numbers uh, of, at, at each time or something like that, it's just. It's yeah. just crazy. If your business brings in $9,000 a week and that's what your deposit is. Right. Um, so, but it's, it's like that, that, that old meme, like, uh, you know, uh, not all cops are bad. It's like, Oh, well they, there happens to be 10 of them at a time, you know, walking into this guy's business, uh, doing this. Um, how could all 10 of them be, be, uh, you know, corrupt. Um, so I would say no. Most most of them are corrupt. Most of them have no uh, idea how the law can be used inappropriately, and they don't care. They don't care to even think about it. Yeah. Um, otherwise, one of those cops would have been like, uh, "Yeah, I think we got the wrong guy. Like this guy isn't doing anything bad. He's, he's making bread for a living." Um, but they don't care. They they just want you know that conviction and somehow they believe uh that because they're getting paid to do their job that they're doing the right thing obviously they are yeah i mean and the likelihood is he'll take the plea bargain you know they you know they'll hope that he'll take the plea bargain so in that story they'll get a victory 
he said he said no i'm not taking the plea bargain because that would mean jail time yeah um and so he's fighting it uh and he's fighting to get his money back because it's his you know it's like yeah um, good for him but i'm just saying you know statistically over 90 percent of people take the plea bargain whether they're guilty or innocent so it skews the favor it, it skews the, the statistics in favor of the cops and the prosecution Right. Attack everybody. And, you know, the, the four that fight back, excuse me, you can let walk, but everyone else will take the plea bargain in some form or fashion. And I'm sure they can just drop the jail time. Well, we'll just make it a fine and no jail. And all of a sudden it's worth it for him to, to just, you know, say, yeah, yeah, you're right. I did it. Take some of my money instead of all of my money and putting me in jail. Mm. Yeah. Well, anyway, I hope uh, he, he gets out of trouble and I hope he gets his money back. But, uh, but that's yeah. that's the government that that people are paying for, and that's what frustrates me the most. You know, it's, it's like it's like it's it's a terrible system. Um, so and, don't uh, pay. It's not, it's not just it's not just confirmation bias. It's it's much deeper than that. Um, it's it's the belief in authority, like uh, Larkin Rose's book, uh, the most the most dangerous, dangerous superstition. superstition. Yep. 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 That's uh that's that's how I see the the. The, the U.S. right now is through that lens, and uh, so yeah, it's it's much deeper than just confirmation bias. Yeah, it's it's just, that's also what I'm saying. I mean, it definitely plays a role, um, and sure. I th- and because it's 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 easy to believe, and yet it sounds weird to say that all cops are just only after conviction, right? They got to gather the evidence, they got to do it, but the whole tunnel vision thing where they like you know they they find their man, and then they'll do whatever it takes. Well. To put I mean, it would be bars. interesting to see how many, what the statistics are about cops who uh, fulfill quotas and 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 with for traffic tickets, right? There's very few cops that will say, "No, I'm not doing the quota thing." Um, I'll you know maybe pull people over for driving dangerously, or you know too fast in a in a you know I don't know. Just too dangerously. That's I can't yeah. get someone up any better. But uh, th- there's many cops that will go. Oh, this is how many tickets I'm supposed to write. I'll I'll go where the the speed limit is set too low, and I'll write every single person that comes through here a ticket. Yeah, and it's because because it's easy, and that's what I'm supposed to do. And they don't see any. They don't have any problem with that. <laughs> that's 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 the majority of cops. It's like 99 percent of them. This is my so, job, and I do my job. Yeah. I write tickets. And, and and they congratulate themselves for it, you know, and they get raises for that and promotions and yep. and they show off to uh, impress their supervisors. Um, and those are the ones that get, you know, get ahead and, that, and it's sad. So, but, you know, that's that's what we're dealing with. So, yeah. And, and that's laws and, and stupid people uh, putting up with it. I was I was asked uh, a, a few weeks ago, like what? What I see as the most important, um, the important issue facing like the the liber- liberty community here in New Hampshire, right? It was just like you know, more of a survey question than anything else to to uh, to enhance the discussion. And I said traffic laws, right? If if we can get rid of a lot of the traffic laws here as as part of the you know the Free State Project, that would do a lot for me and my personal liberty. Um, because right now, every time I get on the road, um, it's a risk, you know, because I, you know, I'm, I'm 
tech, I'm a free traveler, right? I don't have a license. Uh, I drive anyway, just, just to prove that I can, right? That little piece of plastic means nothing. Um, I get on the road, have been doing it for a long time now. Um, we, you know, unlicensed and whatever, just, and no real issues yet here. Um, but the discussion also came up at, at, uh, dinner the other night, um, uh, because the, a lot of the freeways here in state are the regular two lane freeways. Uh, and I'm amazed that the, some people still believe that the left lane is not for passing, right? It's like, no, I just, I just drive in the left lane. And if a car comes up behind me and they're going fast, I, I'll move over unless they tailgate me. If they tailgate me, I'll slow down. I'm like, dude, you're a dick. Like that's <laughs> that. I don't even care if it's the law. That's just, you know, that's common courtesy. Just, you know, that's how it should be done to be most effective and efficient. Um, but apparently New Hampshire has uh, recently passed, I think it was as, as of January of this year, um, a, a, an obstructed, an obs- obstructed lane law, like the left lane, you cannot, uh, I- impede the flow of traffic. If you're in the left lane, like you must yield to oncoming traffic in the left lane. And I commented at the time, like, yes, but only, only at the speed limit, right? Like if you're going the speed limit, you can impede traffic in the left lane. Um, and I was corrected on this, uh, one of one of the, the guys we we're having dinner with, like, looked it up. So the law, as it's written in New Hampshire, is impeding the flow of tra- uh, it's illegal to impede the flow of traffic in the left lane, at or below the posted speed limit. So if you are going the speed limit and impeding traffic, uh, you can be you can be ticketed um, for driving in the left lane, and therefore if you're going faster than the speed limit in the left lane, which would be the only way to drive in the left lane and not impede traffic. You know, if, if there's traffic coming, uh, then you could be ticketed for speeding, right? So the, the, the you know, the, the cops, uh, in this particular case, in this particular instance, um, have you over a barrel, no matter what, uh, if you were, if you were traveling in the left lane, right? You, you either, you either can be ticketed for impeding the flow, going too slow or going too fast because if you're going the speed limit uh, and impeding traffic and impeding traffic, you'll still get the ticket. And then as everyone blows by you going like 20 miles and over the speed limit, I know that's okay. Maybe. Right. But they, they could get ticketed as well um, for speeding. So, oh, yeah. well, it just means move over if somebody's behind you, no matter what it and, does. And then if somebody else is speeding past you, then they can get them. Yeah, but they can get you as well if you don't if you don't move over. Yeah, if you don't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like you said, common courtesy you should move over anyway. I believe so. And I go, you don't even need a law for that. That should that should just be common courtesy. If everyone drove like that, there would be no problem. Um but I, you know, to 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 go back to my initial point, it's like that's the only thing um uh, for me right now that would like enhance the liberty of which I enjoy in state. Like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things to be said about the New Hampshire advantage. Uh, or the reason, you know, the 101 reasons to move to New Hampshire. Um, there's a lot more freedoms here across the board. Um, but most immediate in my life right now, um, is the traffic laws, right? If, if, if they could, I'm going to drive without a license anyway, right? So I'm not going to do that, but you know, those working in the political arena, if they could get those laws like removed, restricted, you know, or, or, or relaxed, I guess, um, then I would, I would be less risk, uh, you know, when I'm traveling on the road and that would increase, um, my personal liberty ever so slightly. 
uh, and then we can work on other things. Um, but the other thing that I said, as, as far as like, you know, personal liberty in state was anything, any, any article that I come across where some other state, some other locale, uh, has more freedom, um, than New Hampshire, like that would be an area for, for, for those in the political arena to work on, right? Fix those, right? If, if we want to be like the most free state, there should not be another location that has more freedom than us in any area. Uh, because if they can do it there, we can most certainly do it here. Uh, you know, and, and then, then you don't have to worry about malicious prosecutions or tunnel vision uh, because there'd be so much more freedom uh, that they'll have to focus on, you know, the bigger, the bigger problems, uh, you know, facing the community than, than picking off people uh, for, for nonsense. Anything else? I think we can nope. move on. <laughs> All right. Um, I want to do this one. Uh, IRS sending 10,000 tax compliance letters to crypto investors. Um, and I want to, I want to, I want to share an anecdotal story before we get into that. Unless there's something else you want to do. Is something else really pressing on you, MC? No, it's okay. Okay. Um, because uh, on Facebook, uh, my auntie posted like uh, that she got a call from some scam artist. Maybe you've gotten this phone call too, MC. Uh, she posted that some scam artist is sending is uh, leaving messages and talking to people saying that uh, your social security number has been deactivated <laughs> or or compromised. And I went, ha, huh, that's stupid. Uh, but now they've called me twice, right? I don't answer my phone, but they've called me twice uh, to let me know to let me know that my social security number has been deactivated and that I need to call this number and and give them some sort of information to to reactivate. Uh, my social security number. Uh, and personally, I'm inclined to just leave it deactivated and, you know, stop taking money out of my paycheck for that as much as possible uh, because I don't anticipate much being there um, anyway. Uh, and, and even if it is, like, I'd feel bad for, for taking it from the youth of the time. Um, so scammy, scammy, scam, scam, scam stuff's going around, uh, including this. IRS sending 10,000 task compliance letters to crypto investors uh, into the article. Uh, the United States Internal Revenue Service is sending letters to crypto investors to clarify crypto tax filing requirements and, in certain cases, compel them to pay back taxes. The IRS announced its letter campaign in a press release on July 26th. The IRS states that it has sent letters to 10,000 crypto investors asking some to amend their tax filings while compelling others to pay back taxes and or interest and penalties. The Revenue Service states that the letters should be delivered by the end of August. Uh, per today's announcement, there are three different letters. Oh, Jesus. Letter 6173, letter 6174, or letter 6174A which strive to help taxpayers understand their tax and filing obligations and how to correct past errors. Uh, IRS Commissioner Chuck Reddick said, uh, The IRS is expanding our efforts involving virtual currency, including increased use of data analytics. We are fo focused on enforcing the law and helping taxpayers fully understand and meet their obligations. <coughs> Excuse me, I think I'm catching your throat thing. I hope not. Oh no! It's a little scratchy. No, no, it's just a little scratchy. So I'm trying to, not to cough in the mic. Now, skepticism towards IRS. Some are more skeptical about the IRS's intentions. 
According to a July 26th Forbes report by crypto tax attorney Tyson Cross, the tax authority could be using a list of taxpayers identified by Coinbase in 2017 to conduct a blanket campaign saying this would seem to indicate the IRS is sending these letters to taxpayers as a phishing attempt without any real belief that each recipient has underreported. Uh, Cross says that several of his clients who accurately reported have received letters and writes that several other tax professionals have revealed that their own clients, despite accurate reporting, had also received letter 6174A. A letter campaign follows low filing rates for crypto taxes. Uh, Cross advised investors not to panic should they receive the letter but to thoroughly ensure the accuracy of their tax returns, given that they are at at the very least, it means they are on the agency's radar. Uh, As previously reported, data released ahead of the close of preceding tax year indicated that just 0.04% of tax filers were reporting capital gains from crypto investments to the IRS. Back in July 2017, the IRS had required that major U.S. crypto exchange Coinbase hand over detailed information on every one of its then 500,000 plus users in attempt to prevent tax evasion. However, court ordered in November 2017 reduced this number to around 14,000 high transacting users, uh, which the platform later reported as 13,000. An alleged presentation by the agency earlier this month reportedly revealed that the IRS hopes to use grand jury subpoenas on firms such as Apple, Google, and Microsoft to check taxpayers' download history for crypto-related applications. Uh, So your thoughts, MC, on this phishing expedition uh, to try to scare people away uh, from, uh, from, from, you know, crypto filings and hidings. I don't have much to say on it. Um, it's it, it's probably what it is—a uh, fishing attempt. And, uh, yeah, so interesting. <laughs> I also think it's interesting that if if they're basing it off like the 2017 numbers, uh, I'm sure that a lot of people have have taken some major losses between then and now uh, as the market went through the downturn and that if they're not reporting gains it's because there haven't been any for a very long time um i also i also wanted to share that uh little anecdote about the social security uh number being um invalidated uh because i think this is in the similar vein right this is a, a scam shot a blanket attempt by the irs to, to scare people uh, into providing information that the, that the IRS couldn't garner on its own, right? It, they're, they're trying to scare people into self-incriminating, incriminate themselves, violate uh, your Fifth Amendment right to, to, you know, not testify against yourself in this case. Um, but even as the article said, the people who are trying to accurately report are getting the letters as well, Uh and if they're only going on the the Coinbase uh, thing, I you know I think that says a lot about you know where you should be, uh, you know trading your crypto uh, wouldn't be on Coinbase as well. But yeah, the IRS you know finally recognizing I, I know it's been in the tax code for for some time, uh, but finally taking steps uh, you know to to get those people to get those rich folks uh, and their crypto holdings. Uh, another crypto-related thing. I was listening to, uh, you know, one of my tech podcasts, and I find it odd that that host like despises crypto millionaires 
because they, he feels like, you know, unlike the rest of the tech industry, uh, who've uh, launched startup after startup and IPO after IPO for tech that sucks only to get bought out by bigger companies, uh, that somehow, you know, uh, crypto millionaires who got in early and cashed out uh, aren't worthy of their wealth, right? And, th- and that it's a bad thing that a bunch of crypto millionaires are looking to migrate to Puerto Rico to, you know, to avoid income <laughs> tax in the United States. I go, well, fucking good on them right jealous much because they didn't add value in in you know in in silicon valley or, or whatever like screw you hippie uh take your millions get the hell out of here don't tell the irs um i think it's yeah. funny after i mean yeah. go ahead and any <clears throat> most of the trading type activities are people trying to live live off of other people's uh, productions so so um like I understand his point of view, but at the same time, like that's that's really shitting on like the whole market and how it works. Not um, even the crypto market, yeah. Because not just even the even the stock market, market it's not. Yeah, everything. I don't want to say taking advantage, but like you decide you you think you're going to get out you know some money by selling, uh, and someone else thinks they're going to get you know some gains off of buying from you, and that's right. that's the way trade works. Right, and but that's also why I think. Bitcoin is a much better thing to trade because there's nobody in charge of it. Uh, so uh, I, I, my favorite quote from Warren Buffett, which I don't even know if he stands behind anymore, is like, don't don't invest in in a company unless you're an insider. And uh, most people aren't insiders, so they have no business uh, picking individual companies on the stock market. Now, he, he would probably say there's uh investment funds and uh etfs and you know other types of uh, products that are sure uh, safer safer and better um but yeah as far as individual companies uh versus bitcoin um i would i would pick bitcoin because uh it's much easier to predict what's going to happen with it absolutely and i was going to the other comment that i want to finish with is someone once posted uh, i don't know if i shared this here before that um libertarians and liberty-minded individuals are the most the worst boat drivers on the history of the planet um if you don't get that reference is because we lose a lot of our stuff in boating accidents right oh yeah yeah Yeah. i mean you you kind of told me that joke a while ago mc it's it's spreading right oh what what happened to it lost in a boating accident all that all that profits all that all those gains but down with the ship so sorry too bad yeah unfortunately it's true that's that's what that's what uh that's what happens that's what happens <laughs> you know you you get all that wealth you go like what am i going to do with it i'm going to buy a boat take it all in my boat and then you lose it on the boat yeah, just, yeah. shit happens all right I, I didn't have to buy a boat my friend had a boat so well lucky you <laughs> mine too uh, <laughs> uh final thoughts uh nope All right, we'll wrap up so you can go get better and take care of that throat issue. Uh, Thank you very much for listening, everybody. You guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, minds.com slash the anarchist experience. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, uh, you may do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.